All right, welcome to episode 47. Are you in? Are we going? It's episode 47 of KT Confidential. I'm going to change the way we start today because I got a lot of people telling me they're binge watching or binge listening to this po- to our podcasts. That's great. So, if you're listening, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts, make sure you subscribe to KT Confidential so you get notifications immediately when these are posted. And I understand the vast majority, YouTube, 90% of people is what I've, you told me, Cam, watch or listen to podcasts on iTunes or Apple. Yep, so we're on iTunes, and uh, if you want to see the video, actually a lot of people are saying now we listen to the podcast and then we go back and watch the video because we want to see you guys go on to our YouTube channel and make sure you subscribe. Lots of good videos there. Or if you just want a summary of it. Go on to our Instagram page. That's right. Where we'll post some Insta stories and posts on our feed as well. So um, make sure you follow, like, and subscribe in all those areas. All right, let's get to it. So today we wanted to talk about uh, a couple of questions that have come up in the last uh, week. Yeah, a lot of questions coming in. Did we narrow it down to a couple we want to chat about? Yeah, I picked a couple that I like. All right, go. Uh, First one is uh, from uh, Thomas on Instagram, Tamino underscore SK. Hey guys, I love your podcast. I was wondering if you're planning to talk about investment properties anytime soon. I'd love to get some advice on the kind of property that is best for rentals, i.e. townhouses, low-rise, high-rise, etc. So first of all, I think people overthink it. I think one of the biggest challenges, like, I think because of HGTV, people, like, there's... Sure, blame it on HGTV. No, no, because of shows and networks like that, there's far more people now that have some degree of interest in investing in real estate. Is that fair to say? Are you using one of my closing lines on me? I am. That's a fair statement. That is, um, you know, a lot of people now think that or want to, they're they're encouraged to become uh, investors because they see people flipping homes. They see people you know, buying homes where there are tenants in there for a long time. And, pay well, and they the look mortgage. back and say, well, my last house, if I had have kept it, I would have been this much further ahead or whatever the reason is. Right. And so, people are now recognizing that, especially if you're in your 20s, 30s, and 40s, you know, when we when we go to retire in our 60s and for some of us, maybe in our 70s and 80s, whatever it may be. Or never. I don't think I'll or ever never. retire. Well, officially. I won't ever, quote unquote, retire. But for people that are self-employed or or even people that, you know, just have average jobs, uh, the government pensions aren't going to give you enough money to, to do what you want to do in your later part of your life. And, uh, you know pensions uh, in general and RSPs and all that uh, are so small compared to the cost of living and the cost of living is going up. So yeah, yeah. So they need other investments. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I way of telling me to shut up. Yes. So, um, but I think a lot of those people, they think, oh, that would be nice, but they don't take the steps. They're very timid to get into the market. And I think people overthink it. Like we just helped somebody buy a condo and this, uh, person I had been talking with over the last couple of years about it. And he would occasionally message me and say, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And 
it was near impossible to get him out to see anything. So he was just kind of like dabbling his fingers in it. And then one day a condo came up that I thought would be a good fit. He's talking about you. And does he listen to our podcast? I guess now we'll find out, but we shouldn't be mentioning <laughs> names because we'll have to take another fucking ethics course. Um. Anyways, so I just sent him this listing. There's nothing wrong with mentioning his name. He's our client. Unless he doesn't want to be mentioned. So That's a good point. Can you bleep out the name? Thank you. So uh, anyways, so I just sent him this listing. Do you want me to call him right now and ask him? Stop it. He's going to have to keep bleeping it out. So anyways, uh, I just sent him this listing. Condo came up. It was priced. Hey, Siri, call beep. It was priced perfectly, and uh, it rents out really well. So I just called him, and I said, you need to buy this. And I just really gave him a strong push, and he bought it the same day. And he's going to do very well with it. But I think the problem is most people way overthink it. They need a little bit more guidance. They need to stop overthinking it. Focus. He didn't even go see it. And that's one of the, another problem. People are using emotions where they need to just look at the numbers. Now, if I mentioned his last name, I can see where you're going, but I only said his first name. Well, I'm glad you didn't say his last name. Anyway, so the question was townhouses, condos, high rise, low rise, my high input, rise, whatever. I think it doesn't matter. I say stop overthinking it. See, now he's learned to finally cut me off and be a little more aggressive. Well, you're making this very difficult to have a fucking conversation. You're not I'm, listening. I'm enjoying to the conversation. I don't need to be listening to you. All the people listening to the podcast need to be listening to you. So my input is very similar, actually, to yours. It doesn't matter what the property is. It can be a condo, low rise, high rise, townhouse, detached home, semi cottage, vacant land. It doesn't really matter. Um, what matters is the return. And it also matters. Everybody's going to have different um, ideas as to what they want that investment to be. If they buy something for a longer term investment, you might have a different opinion than if somebody says to you, I want to cash out in a year or two. Well, most... Right. So the vast majority of people getting into the rental market should probably get into it under the premise that it's a long-term investment. But it doesn't need to be all the time. It doesn't need to be. Um, You're talking flipping. It's completely different. No, not necessarily. I look, at, I look at the condo that, that, uh, um, that I bought a few years ago. Um, we ended up selling it after two years. It became a good investment and a good time to get out of that investment. Um, and we used that money to reinvest in other real estate opportunities. But um, you, need to, you need to feel comfortable at the end of the day. So oftentimes, if you're a first-time investor, first-time landlord, if you're going to get tenants, um, I would highly suggest having a uh, property management company uh, help you out or uh, do your due diligence and have that property really close to home uh, so it's super convenient for you and then buy something that's a little bit newer that might not need as much upkeep or attention or have any issues that tenants will be calling you about blah 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 condos are great for that so if you want something that's peace of mind and and it's not going to cause any issues other than potential tenant stuff coming up buy a newer condo. 
Um, the only challenge is you've got maintenance fees, property taxes, and your mortgage. So you have to make sure that your cost is somewhat in line to what you're going to be bringing in in rent. Um, now, depending on where that condo is, uh, if you're in the GTA, condos are renting uh, very, very well now. So you got to look at the numbers, but you also have to feel comfortable with it. Um, and then the the other side of it, if you do hire a property management company, not giving us any plugs here, but um, if you do hire a property management company, it does broaden your search a little bit. So right now, if you live in Milton, as an example, um, you might consider Milton, but you might also consider Guelph, well, I think, Cambridge. I think a big thing people Waterloo. need to figure out is, or to understand, is the the um, the legal side of things as far as landlords and tenants go and their rights and responsibilities. Um, because there are certain things you need to take into consideration uh, before just jumping into it. Well, the the Landlord uh, and um, Tenant, the Residential Tenancies Act, um, is I don't know how many pages. <laughs> it's it's, it's super. Good, it's like, like if the Bible. Print, yeah, it's a big read. Good read. And uh, have you have you read it? I've actually read a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't. Right. They just say, "Oh, I'm gonna throw it on Kijiji, find a tenant, and that's where problems begin." But yeah. you know, going back to Tom's question again, um, the property type doesn't matter. Um, the, there are so many things that actually matter, but that's probably one of the least of the things that, that make a difference. The only time it might matter is single family versus multifamily. If you're looking at single family, I wouldn't overthink it. Yeah. Just, and if you're approved for 550, 650,000, doesn't mean you have to spend that much either to get a yep. good return. You might be able to find something for three to four that suits you just fine. And then you aren't, you know, over leveraging yourself or most people are taking equity out of their house. So you're not using more than you need to. And you still have that investment property working for you. My biggest advice, if you're thinking about it, stop thinking about it and actually do it. Right. And go out and see some properties with a realtor. Go out and talk about it with a realtor on how the, the financials will break down. Because most realtors that, that do work with investors know how to, within a few minutes, tell you where you're going to be financially on this. What is it going to rent out for? How much appreciation is going to be on the property over the next, you know, two, three, five years? Of course, that's a bit of a crystal ball, but, you know, an educated guess. Um, what are the expenses on it? And break it all down and see if it makes sense. And if it does, just do it. That's right. So, Tom. Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> Next question was from who? Yeah, the next question's uh, an interesting one. I wouldn't mind getting your input on it. Um, so this was from Tendai on YouTube. She said, uh, we'd love to hear more about coping with horrible sellers, especially, especially if you believe you have found the home. It's something we had to work through recently. It stirred up a lot of emotions. So that's a good question because so let's say I don't you, fully understand okay, what so the I'll question is. Okay, so I'll paint the picture is. for you. So yes, you paint the picture for everybody. For a house, right? You're out shopping for a house, you find the house, the home that you would consider to be your forever home, the house that's it suits everything you want, and you are maybe it's priced unreasonably high. Okay. So and the sellers are not cooperating. 
with uh, negotiations whatsoever. And you just have a difficult seller or for whatever reason. Or maybe you're going through the home inspection and the home inspection reveals some serious deficiencies and the seller's not willing to do anything about it. Uh, so in that case, perhaps you're working with a seller that has really no motivation to sell. Maybe they're just trying to get a feel for the market to see if they could get like really high dollars for their house, they would sell. Um, so it's a bit of a tease, I suppose, for the buy the right buyer that's found the right house for them, but doesn't want to spend X amount of money over what they deem fair market value. I have seen so many things from, especially once the deal is firm, between firm and actual closing. Um, I got a bunch of stories for that, but there's also things that come up when you're looking at home. So read the question again. We would love to hear more about coping with horrible sellers, especially if you believe you have found the home. It's something we had to work through recently. It's up a mm. lot of emotions. I'd like to hear the whole story behind that one, but coping with horrible sellers if you found your dream home. So it almost sounds like they had a bit of an issue before they even purchased the home. Well, I interpret it as they have found the home, but they can't buy the home for whatever reasons because the sellers are not cooperative. Yeah. Well, is it the seller that's not cooperative or is it the realtor that's not cooperative? That's another question. I think it but typically boils down to the seller. The realtor may be at fault for not properly conveying things or some not deals, giving them reasonable Some deals are easier to put together than other deals. Well, I, I just did one where I had to go back and forth with paperwork and this was for a good friend of mine, so many times it was very difficult to get in the house. You know, uh, in the broker remarks, it said easy to show, easy showings, oh, anytime showings. That. You had to book a few appointments. And um, not only did the appointments get denied, uh, they asked to reschedule during times that were not convenient, but this was my client's dream home. So we made it happen finally six days later, only to find out the house was sold uh, conditional. Luckily, um, we ended up getting the house because one of the conditions was the sale of the buyer's property. And uh, we went in there and got the house. But then they told us the closing date would be flexible. Uh, we went back and um, tried to close uh, a little bit earlier, uh, move the closing date a few days earlier, then they changed their mind and things like that. So you never know what's going to come up. I've also seen it where sellers are disrespectful to their own property after it's sold and before it closes. Yeah, like neglect to maintain the lawn or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Just so you come back with your buyer and all of a sudden there's, you know, six foot high weeds. Chris had that problem when we helped him buy his house. Yeah. We came back for the final revisit and the weeds were literally three, four feet high in the backyard. And she apologized, but... You know, that's not a way that a buyer wants to see their their dream home that they just purchased or yeah, about to purchase. Uh, how do you cope with it? Well, another problem could be, I think it's just some buyers, sometimes it's buyers or sellers rather that just need to realize that their expectations are not right. If this is uh, applying to people before you buy it. Like I remember doing a listing presentation for somebody. They ended up signing with somebody else and listed it $100,000 more than I had suggested. So here they are 
somebody that wants to move, but they've been misinformed and led to believe they can get an unrealistic amount for their house. So they ended up selling about six months later for less than what I had suggested. But I'm sure during that period of time, there might have been people like Tendai going to try to buy it Beep. for a reasonable, well, she Beep. sent us a public message. It's okay. Uh, she sent our, um, there's probably people that tried to buy it for a reasonable amount, maybe even more than market value still, but not crazy $100,000 over. And they said no. And then six months later, they sold for less than what the other people had offered. So sometimes it's a matter of sellers just sitting on the market, being stubborn, and then realizing they have, they're out to lunch. They can't get what they want. And sometimes they do it because they're just trying the market. Right. So they become difficult to work with because their home has been on the market for so long. So, yeah, we've encountered that all. So how do you cope with it? That's the question. How do you cope with it? You, well, it depends. In a situation like that, where the My answer is easy. It's a bottle of wine or two. Yeah, that works. But you just try not to get emotionally attached to it. I mean, having a good realtor that hopefully is building a good story for you because when they're communicating with the other realtor, uh, you know, how can you justify the price? Is it just an arbitrary number or do you have something to back it up? Maybe even go in and present it in person to the seller and their realtor to convey your message more effectively. I think having a, a good realtor is key there because that's somebody that is shouldering the the brunt of all of this bullshit that happens behind the scenes. And if you have somebody that doesn't care working on your side, it becomes so much more stressful. So having that middleman that really can um, help kind of mitigate all of that is, is super important. It's a huge part of it is just re reasonable expectations. And like we run into it even with home inspectors. We'll do a home, a home inspection. I've had home inspections with some inspectors that do a phenomenal job at at their trade like they know houses inside and out you ask them anything and they can answer the question for you but they have zero people skills and they do not know how to convey messages to people in a proper manner so they there might be a a, you know, a lot of them are contractors right not salesmen well that's exactly it so you might have a small problem with a house but the way that they home inspector conveys it to the seller is that the fucking house is going to fall apart or it's infested with mold or, you know, like it's a lot of these things could be conveyed in a different manner that actually helps people understand what the problem is and that there might be a way to resolve it and et cetera, et cetera. So um, one of the problems is maybe the seller's realtor has not set them up properly, which you can't do anything about that other than time. Stay calm, stay cool, stay collected. If you get it, it was meant to be. Yeah. If you don't. But she ended up buying a house with us, so I'm sure they found a, the perfect house in the end, whatever it was. I'd like to know if that was, well, they, they had a couple of issues, I know, with uh, going through that process. But Steve, who was their realtor, is probably one of the most patient people I know. Yes. So I'm pretty confident he took the brunt of a lot of the crap that uh, they had to deal with. So, So that's a big part of it. What else are we talking about today? Episode 47. It. I just said two questions. That was that was it? Yeah. So yesterday, a report came out from the Toronto Real Estate Board. I don't know if you saw it or not. 
uh, September sales year over year in the GTA. So TREB, Toronto Real Estate Board, actually has a lot of listings from everywhere coming in there. So the number might be a little bit general, but sales up 22%. I believe it. Year over year in September. That's huge. It's a big number. It's big. Uh, we were very busy as well. So we felt that uh, jump. Um, September is usually a little bit quieter. Kids going back to school and, you know, uh, but we had that conversation last minute in vacations. The, the podcast was one before that where we were saying, yeah, it's usually quiet, but it wasn't. Yeah, it's 22% though. That's huge. What do you think October is going to be? Do you think it's going to stay, stay pretty strong like that? If not busier. Really? It's been, I mean, for us, that's the biggest indication. I mean, I've, I'm often uh, having to reschedule appointments. So I have a bunch of showings I'm doing tomorrow morning. And I've been watching all week to see what we can go see. Uh, but this is the only day the guy can go. Um, and half the houses that I had lined up have sold. So things are moving. And, and more houses have come into the market. So we've got new options now. But it's busy. Lots of activity. You got to act quickly. If you find something you like, don't wait. You got to go right away. Yeah, right now, this, I think it's a little bit of the turn of the tide because, you know, 2017, we had all those bidding wars, prices going through the roof. People thought the prices were outrageous. Then you had a little bit of a pullback where the prices came down and everybody thought the world was collapsing and uh, real estate was a bad investment. But over the last now year and a half, we've seen that kind of stabilization of the market. But I'm telling you, in the last three months, three to six months, it's been building. And now over the last three months, uh, I think we're going to start seeing a lot more bidding wars, uh, a little bit of a shortage in inventory again. Yeah, Prices going up. So... I think it's going to be a lot more stable than it was, but mortgage rates are low. There's a huge demand right now. Homes are selling quickly again. If you're thinking about upgrading or making a move, this is probably a good time to be considering well, that. Well, and speaking of bidding wars, um, actually, we didn't post about that. I don't think we posted it yet, but um, it's not new but it had gone away for a long time in most cases it was not a the, the I hate that term by the way we have to use it because that's what everybody knows but right so it's used as such a negative connotation with it so don't think you know don't get scared off by it is all i'm saying cuz a lot of people as soon as they hear it they're like oh i'm not going to get involved right well what if the house sells for a number that you would have paid right like don't risk the chance of you don't know what it. the other offer is Right. And it doesn't cost you any money. Right. It just costs you a little bit of time to try your offer. And we've had plenty of situations where we were in multiple offers and all of the offers came in less than we would have expected. On the buying side of the thing, uh, of the equation? Well, no, we wouldn't have known the numbers in that case. Oh, you mean when we're representing when the we're seller? When we're selling, yeah. So the initial offers may have come in much lower than we initial thought. Initial so offers, yes. Yes. What it ends I'm not up selling for, Right, story. but let's, if you had... I don't know, five offers, and they all came in under asking. But one person came in, you know, five to $10,000 more. Perhaps that would have been enough to convince the seller to do it because they didn't waste any time. They came in strong. It's a fair price, not unreasonable for both either side, a fair number. And they perhaps would have got it. This 
market right now and this time of the year is it's crucial to have a realtor that knows what they're doing, that has great proficiency in paperwork and negotiating and people's skills and We've communication. Turned away, I've turned away a few deals recently from people that I had no Email etiquette, in. text etiquette, phone call etiquette, yeah. being able to speak professionally, clearly, yeah. intelligently. That's so, so important. Well, actually, uh, Chris just did a deal. I think he had three offers, perhaps. On uh, shaking my pen at Ariel, by the way. He's mocking me because I'm fidgeting. Um, I'm telling you, we got to order like those scoosh ball, KT scoosh balls no, or something. No, because I like to do this, but I, I can't get all the way around. It's hard. Um, anyway, so Chris had three offers on a property, if I'm not mistaken. And the, they were all, I, I believe, very similar in their own respect. But I one of the deciding factors, I believe, I, he said was the manner in which the buyer's realtor represented themselves. Sure. They were... It's a huge component. He had confidence in them that it would close. Anyway, up 22% September, year over year. I think that's a great sign for the market. Yeah. And for those people that are out looking or contemplating, you can still buy a house and be in it for Christmas. You but can. that window's closing. So if you'd like to have your Christmas tree in your new house... This year, you got to do it in October. Or your, what's your candle thing called? I can't remember. Menorah? A menorah. My candle thing? Yes. What a schmuck. Sorry. Not trying to be disrespectful. I'm just ignorant. Uh, but yeah, if you'd like to celebrate the holidays this year in a new house, we have lots of people still managing to squeeze in in December. So I'm in November. I don't even, even. know when Hanukkah is this year. It's, uh, it's That's later. even worse. It's later. I'm totally later feel, in December. I don't feel bad whatsoever. Well, it changes every year. It's not care. like Christmas. It's the same time every year. You should know. Should I? I would think so. It's only October. Yeah, one holiday at a time. Not likely to be in for Thanksgiving, but Christmas, Hanukkah, anything else. Very realistic. I need a pen. <laughs> Uh, anything else to talk about? No, or? that's it. I'm good. All right. Good. That's episode 47. Again, make sure you, uh, what do you follow or subscribe on iTunes? Subscribe. Must be. Uh, uh, whatever the fuck different. it is, just keep listening on iTunes and make sure you click the little thing that keeps us connected to you. That's good. <laughs>